Sunday, 30th of July, 2023. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Acts 19 verse 8. The previous verse finished the account concerning those who had been disciples of John and who had received Christ and been baptized into him. Now the direction changes as Luke records, and he went into the synagogue. This is referring to Paul. It was his custom to commit himself to speaking in the local synagogue if they would have him. It is also the fulfillment of the promise made in Acts 18, 19-21, where he promised he would return to the synagogue and continue to reason with them. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. He has honoured his commitment by now returning to them, and his offer was accepted, as it next says, and spoke boldly for three months. This is a long time to debate the issues at hand, but their curiosity had been piqued in verse 18-20. On his return, he gave them a full hearing on the matter. If they were only open on the Sabbath, three months would mean about 12 gatherings. If they were like the Bereans, meeting daily, it would be a lot more time in the Word. Either way, this means that they were at least willing to take an in-depth look into the matter at hand. His efforts were involved in as it next says, reasoning and persuading. The first word is the same one used when he was previously there in Acts 18.19, dia legomai. It signifies to get a conclusion across. He had a subject that he wished to discuss thoroughly. As such, he carefully went through the entire subject very thoroughly in his attempt to convey what brought him to his own understanding of the matter. The second word is correctly translated he was involved in the process of persuading his audience of the truths concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Paul had come to understand much more fully what this term entailed. The Jews anticipated an earthly kingdom patterned after the kingship of David. Paul showed them that this view, at least in the immediate program, was faulty. Though not denying a future literal reign of Christ on earth, he carefully explained how the kingdom involves more than just that. Writing to those of Ephesus who had accepted the message, he gives insight into this kingdom. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 4-7 He specifically calls this new dynamic a kingdom in Ephesians 5, 5 and elsewhere in his other epistles. He further writes of the citizenship of believers. A person who is a citizen of a kingdom is a citizen under a king. 
It is these types of things that Paul would have carefully conveyed to those in the synagogue at Ephesus. Despite this effort on his part, it should be remembered that during all this time, Paul continued to work with his own hands, as will be seen in Acts 20, 34. Life Application Paul writes about the state of believers, demonstrating that we are subjects of the King, Jesus. He notes that we are members in his kingdom. He speaks of our citizenship in this kingdom, etc. And yet, there are those who deny that Christ is a king reigning over the Gentile-led church. In Romans 14, he writes, Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Romans 14, 16-18 One cannot be in a kingdom unless there is a king over that kingdom. We are both members of a kingdom now, and yet we await our state in the kingdom that is to come. There is nothing contradictory in this. And yet Paul does not deny that there will be a literal kingdom on earth as prophesied in the Old Testament. His focus is on the church and its state, but he also speaks of Israel's national salvation in Romans 9-11. to Their national salvation implies that they will then be in the position promised by the prophets. That is clearly explained by Jesus in the Gospels and it is confirmed in Revelation 20. The word kingdom, as noted in this verse of Acts, is not a single topic, but it is a broad and all-encompassing term used to speak of the various aspects of the headship of Jesus over his people, both now and into the future, as well as over his church and over Israel the nation. Be careful to not fall for the illogical arguments of those who deny Christ as our reigning king, such as hyper-dispensationalists or who deny Christ as the king who will reign over Israel during the millennium, such as that taught by replacement theology. Lord God, it is amazing to see redemptive history unfolding before our very eyes. We are citizens of a kingdom that is spiritual in nature. Someday we will be brought into that heavenly kingdom in a new and eternal way. And yet we see Israel regathered from among the nations and being prepared for an earthly kingdom. Someday that will be realized and will endure for a thousand years. Our own eyes are beholding these things. How amazing it is for us to see. Amen. Dear Father, please bless Elsa. She reads your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul went into the synagogue and spoke out boldly for three months. He talked with the Jews and persuaded them to accept the things he said about the kingdom of God. Acts 19 verse 8 Beautiful. Well, that's the name of you.